if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ prays for unity. What should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys and uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when, he, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. Here is your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Well Blackwell. Tiberius Warren Blackwell. Hello. I can't even get your fake name right. No, you can't. That, that's why you need TJ. And, and today we're here with very special guest, Andrew Croft of Open Doors Canada. Who also, they do their own podcast that's, um, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say this. It, the name of it escapes me now. I got Open Door Canada stuck in my head. And now I'm, uh, what's the name of the podcast that you do? Our podcast is called World Watch Weekly. World Watch Weekly. See, I knew that. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, so before we get too far into everything, uh, we did want to review some of our followers answers to a silly question that we posted on all of our social medias. It's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, uh, the silly question was, what is your least favorite instrument? Here are some of the answers we got. Taryn, TJ's sister said accordion. Uh. Austin Nance said French horn. Jacob Stone. Uh said trumpet. My mom, Uh-oh. as I predicted, said the banjo, which is just <laughs> wrong. Sorry, mom. But uh, <laughs> Brandon Brissy said bagpipes. Well, actually, he posted a gif of a squirrel playing bagpipe, so I just I assume that's what he meant. Um, Niles Merritt said the woodwind recorder, except for when Dwight Schrute from The Office plays it. Then it's good. And then uh, my two favorites, John Wayne Crosby said the didgeridoo, which is especially funny because TJ plays the didgeridoo, mm-hmm. and it's TJ. And I was in his wedding. Yes, <laughs> and TJ's didgeridoo is the sound that we use for our God moment segment each episode. <laughs> so that's fun. And uh, my actual favorite, of course, is my wife's answer. Tiffany uh, posted a GIF of Patrick asking if mayonnaise is an instrument, which is funny because she likes mayonnaise, so it's not a real answer for her. But I do dislike mayonnaise more than I dislike any instrument. So. That could work for me. All right. That was, uh, that was some of our followers' answers to the silly question. If you want to participate, we'll post another one this Friday. So be looking for that. And now, uh, Andrew, we like to do a segment for our new guest called the greeting card segment. It's kind of just like a mini segment, really, where I have 12 cards in my hand. I'm going to shuffle them up. And whatever it lands on, we're just going to ask you to tell us that. So it could be your favorite book, the last thing you ate for dinner, you know, whatever. Just something to help us get to know you a little bit. Sure. Sounds good. Awesome. So I'm going to start shuffling now. You tell me when to stop. Now. All right. What is either your favorite or least favorite part of the week? Oh, uh, my favorite or least favorite part of the week. You can pick one. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, I, I, how can I go against Friday, you know, 5 PM, the week when work <laughs> is over, the weekend is coming. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy that. 
Um, you know, and while I love, I love my work, you know, there's always that thought of, Oh, I got to wake up tomorrow morning on Sunday night. And, uh, you know, so, uh, those would be my kind of my favorite, least favorite. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, the last part of our intro, uh, we like to ask a silly question just to relieve any remaining tension. And, uh, today's silly question is if you had to choose one, would you rather completely lose your sense of smell or your sense of taste? Uh, ooh, well, I mean, first I would say sense of smell, but my understanding is that much of taste comes from smell. So would you not be losing both of them if you said loss of smell? But I mean, if I lost the smell, at least I wouldn't, you know, I have to deal with gross smells and I like the taste of food. So I, I don't care if it means my taste is really little. I still want some taste. I'm going to say smell. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I lost my sense of smell for like two years and sometimes still kind of comes and goes from my car accident. One of the brain surgeries kind of just damaged the nerve there. And um, one thing I learned that was just fun about this question is that, you know, for the most part, my taste didn't change as much as I thought it would by not smelling right. I actually just kind of constantly felt like I was smelling this burnt sensation, but there were certain foods that I liked a lot during that period that I've been trying to eat more now that I'm like, can smell again, that I don't like when I can smell them. So I think I'd be okay with losing my smell again. (laughs) That's funny. Mm -hmm. I I can imagine that. I mean, if I had a big one, I'd rather still not, because there are a lot of smells that I just did not know that I would miss, that I missed. So I mean, I still would rather not lose my smell, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I I would also. Yeah, I would also choose the sense of smell. All right. It turns out that's yeah. just the correct answer. <laughs> yeah. I was dog sitting for the past few days. Uh, yeah, I'd choose sense of smell easily. <laughs> yeah. I used to love when um we worked at Chipotle together and sometimes they would have to clean the um what what is that? The sewage, I guess. They have to empty out the sewage or whatever. Grease. The grease uh, trap. Grease, is that what that was? Man. Yes. But it, it smelled like sewage, but uh Anyway, everybody would literally just like walk out of the store for a while and wait. And I would just keep working because I couldn't smell it. I was like, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> anyway, so <Benefits. laughs> yeah, it is bad. It's terrible. It's pretty awful. So before we move on to talk about your show, we wanted to kind of get to know you a little bit better about your actual beliefs. So I wanted to ask, what denomination are you a part of? Yeah, I am part of what is called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Uh, which would be the equivalent of the Assemblies of God in the United States. Oh, sweet. I, um, we're Church of God of Prophecy, so we're Pentecostal. But when I was younger, when we, we my family lived in Tallahassee, Florida for a while, and there wasn't a Church of God of Prophecy there. So we went to Assemblies of God for a while. That's really neat. Cool. What is unique about your church compared to some of the other churches in the area? What is unique about my church? Well, the church that I attend... Um, the unique part about us right now is that we are building a building. Uh, we have, we, we've been in this long process and we were, uh, we had a, a small a building in within a, a condo complex of businesses that we used for years, like, like, uh, 20 plus years. And really it was good for us, but, if you didn't know where it was, there was no way you were finding it and we were outgrowing it and we decided we needed to build a building. And we've been in this process for a long time and we were meeting in movie theater. And then with uh, the restrictions in Ontario where I live uh, because of COVID-19, 
we have not been meeting in the movie theater. We've been meeting online, but our building is set to open sometime before 2020 is over. Awesome. Praise God. Wow. So yeah. we are excited for that because that means we will start meeting together again. Uh, and so that'll be an exciting thing. That's so cool. Wow. My church has been building a sanctuary, uh, tw- I want to say like 20 years. I don't know. I just know it's like one of my first memories. We're going to build the sanctuary. I'm just kidding. It's been a very <laughs> long time. <laughs> yeah. we, just, we just do service in the gym. It has carpet. It's a nice place. It's good enough for us. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, we also do like to let our guests know, or our audience know, uh, a little bit more about your denomination. Uh, so we do a little speed round here. Yeah. I've just well, got a few questions. Most of your answers probably be the same as ours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just got a few questions here. The only rules are, yeah, answer them in a sentence. Uh, if you don't think you can answer them in a sentence, uh, just say pass, and we'll just skip it. Okay. Hopefully, I don't en- embarrass uh, my Pentecostal Sundays of Canada family. Hey, they'll mm-hmm. forgive you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Do you believe in the Trinity? Yes. Are you more Calvinist or Arminian? Arminian. Uh, do you believe in the continuation of the gifts of the Spirit, such as Absolutely. you know speaking in tongues? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you believe in continual sanctification? What is your definition of continual sanctification? Josh. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you believe in a literal atom? Yes. Uh, how many of the seven sacraments do you participate in? Uh, communion, baptism. I'm not sure what the other five sacraments are. All right, awesome. Uh, I'm pretty sure that is the only two. Uh, you answered the next one already. Uh, then, uh, do you believe in full body immersion in baptism? I I, I do. Yes. All right. Do you awesome. believe in baby baptism? Uh, we do baby dedication. All right. Which is not does not involve water. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Awesome. Thank you. You killed it. Yeah. yeah. We'll work on the continual sanctification <laughs> as we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to kind of redo part of this. I, I, before we ask you, about specifically about your show. How did you get involved with Open Doors Canada? And for those who don't know, what is Open Doors? Yeah, so Open Doors is a ministry that serves persecuted Christians around the world. And so um, Open Doors was started by a guy named Brother Andrew, and he wrote a book called God Smuggler. I don't know if you've ever read that book or heard of it. Are you talking about yourself in third person? I am not. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, God Smuggler is a uh, like 10 million copies sold. It's a very popular Christian book. And uh, I read that as a teenager um, in middle school. And in, in reading that book, it kind of got my thoughts and attention on, on what's happening around the world to Christians. And, uh, and so that was kind of always on my radar. And then a couple of years ago, uh, I, I am actually uh, a pastor by, uh, I don't want to say trade, but 
by profession. I, I don't even know if that's what I want to yeah, say, but I'm, I'm a pastor. So uh, I was pastor, youth pastoring at a church and uh, I was preparing a message for Sunday morning. I'm like, there's a story in God smuggler that would be so good for this message. And so I, I opened it up to try to find it, end up reading the entire book again. And then I was like, I wonder if brother Andrew has any other books. And so I searched and I found another one, ordered it off of Amazon and I read that. And then uh, it just so happened that around that time, the director of Open Doors Canada began going to our church. Wow. So I asked him to go for coffee because I wanted to find out more about Open Doors and Brother Andrew. And uh, we sat down and he gave me another book and I started reading and I, I was on their website and saw a job, a few months later this was, I, I saw a job opening and decided to apply and uh, the rest is, as they say, history. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. Uh, so what is the most interesting thing you've learned on your show so far on my show? Well, so our show, um, digs into the persecution of Christians and we tend to focus on different countries and what's happening. And so it has actually caused me to, uh, read more of the research. And so open doors, the the reason our show is called world watch weekly is that open doors produces every year, this document called the world watch list. And it ranks the 50 most dangerous countries to live in as a Christian. And it's a worldwide document. uh, That's it's the most authoritative document of its kind. It's used by other uh, agencies. It's even presented to governments, So governments can know what's happening to Christians around the world. And so uh, we, I've now been digging deeper into this research than I had ever done before I started this show. And so I'm just learning things about countries that uh, I hadn't learned before per se. And so I would say that the, while not the most interesting show that we've done episode, we've done the episode that hit me the hardest probably was the episode about the Maldives. Now I don't know if you're familiar with the Maldives, small Island country uh, off of India and Sri Lanka in the Indian ocean. And it, the, the, the government claims to be 100% Muslim and that if you are not a Muslim, you're not allowed to be a citizen of this country. And so the population there is just very, uh, the Christian population is very small and very hidden, very secret because uh, if they're found out, uh, they'd be deported, they could be arrested, they, all kinds of things could happen to them. And so lots of Lots of potential persecution to them. And we actually uh, read a story about our, the, in the research about these, this couple who they were both Christians, but they didn't find out that they were both Christians until years later, like a married couple, because they had hid it from each other. Huh. Wow. That's, that's kind of funny. That sounds like a really good, like, cheesy Christian novel that I would actually <laughs> enjoy to read. <laughs> that's like the... Uh... You know, two secret agents think they've been found out. So they try not to let the other one know that they're agents. Mm. Yeah. Well, Classic. and so eventually yeah, they, they found out uh, from each other that they were Christians. And I mean, you can imagine the joy that would have brought to them after years of, of living in secret and, and, you know, very hidden trying to keep their faith uh, from being found out because of the, the potential consequences. And then they find out that they've been living with another Christian all along. Wow. So that's a pretty incredible story. So, see, now, now I, I don't expect you to have an answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How how do we feel about, especially, I, I guess you probably have a better answer than I do anyway, with hearing a lot of these stories. 
how do we feel about people who are hiding their Christianity instead of, you know, like everybody, you know, thinks that when persecution comes, we're going to shout, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and gladly get executed. I mean, is it, is it? Well, so yeah. I, I would, I would say that that's an interesting question. I would say, um, I mean, we talk about keeping it secret when we talk about, you know, you know, a secret Christian or an underground Christian, but the reality is, is that they are waiting for God given opportunities where they feel the spirit leading them to share the gospel that they cannot be abruptly open because if they are the, the light will be snuffed out. And so uh, by following Jesus in the way that they're following Jesus, they're allowing a light to be uh, still present salt and light to still be present in the country. Um, and, uh, and still evangelizing when possible. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, I always wondered about that. Cause you know, they make it, you know, you hear that question in, you know, children, not children church, but, you know, Sunday school, whatever people like a pastor will like to ask people like, well, if someone came in here with a gun right now and asked if you're a Christian, would you stand up and say, yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah. I don't so, know if that's so, what God would want every time. You know? <laughs> you fair know? enough. So we would, we would get questions. Um, I mean, you hear stories like that and, uh, Christians, I mean, uh, m- many of these Christians, the fact that the, someone's holding the gun is too, because they found out that they, they are. So these Christians, excuse me, these Christians don't try to hide it necessarily. In fact, I have heard stories of Christians who have basically, uh, had that happen and, you know, they go to pull the trigger and nothing happens to the gun. And then other times, you know, the person's killed. And, and that to me is the, the hardest thing about the persecuted church is that sometimes God miraculously rescues people and other times he doesn't. Do you have any good words for like people who are wondering why, why, why does God choose, you know, protect some people and not others? Well, I know I'm asking hard questions. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I would go to Isaiah uh, 55. My ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it doesn't say this in the Bible, but uh, I think you can, you can uh, get this from scripture that God's timing is not our timing. And so I, I think there's a, it's an old example, but it comes from Iran. And it's of a, of a man named Mehdi Dabaj. And he was uh, a Christian in Iran. And uh, one time he, uh, he sits down for a meal with this man and they begin to pray. And, and I can't remember which one of them prays, but they have their eyes closed and they pray. And whoever's praying just for whatever reason, prays for a really long time. And in the process of them praying, uh, the cat jumps up on the table and eats the food. And so when they finish praying, the cat is dead because the food was poisoned. And so God in that moment miraculously saved him. Yet, uh, many debage was martyred for his faith a little while later. And so God's timing is not our timing. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And, uh, and sometimes I can feel like a, a cop out answer, but other times it can bring a lot of comfort to know that we serve a God who knows what he is doing. And even when it doesn't seem like it to us, we can trust that. So we don't usually do this and I'm going to be done chasing this rabbit hole after this. <laughs> Because I do want to ask how you started the podcast in the first place. But first, could I get, because what we're talking about reminded me of um, Hebrews 11, 
And I kind of wanted to read some of this and kind of get maybe your commentary on it with all the things you've heard of while doing your podcast. I feel like you might have interesting things to say about it. So um, Hebrews 11, starting in 35, says, Women received back their dead by resurrection, but others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with a sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. So what's, um, what is that? So, so to me, what it's, it's saying, you know, there were some people that women were able to see their loved ones come back to life right then and God stopped the persecution. And then sometimes he didn't so that they could have a better resurrection later. What does that mean? Well, I think of uh, Philippians chapter one and Paul says for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Right. That, that in that moment, if, if they get their resurrected ones back, it's this amazing moment and to live with, uh, to live as Christ. But you know, for those who didn't get that resurrection, those who don't experience that, a miraculous provision and protection in that moment to die is gain. They're with Christ in that moment and, and their struggle is no longer an earthly one. In fact, their struggle is no more. And, uh, and, but that's, a, it's a very interesting, uh, it's a very interesting that you bring up uh, that, that uh, example, because I mean, we look at scripture and we see so many examples of persecution I, and it's it's impossible to not see it. Well, I shouldn't say impossible because there are those who would read the Bible and try to pretend it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you can't. You can't literally read the Bible, actually read the Bible and, and miss persecution. It's just something that God promises will happen to believers. And, you know, I... I love that part of Hebrews 11 too, because like, like you said, the Bible talks about a lot of people being persecuted. So earlier in that chapter, you know, it's talking about all these different men of God who were persecuted to the Bible tells stories of, and then this last part, he's just like, Oh, and also all of this happened to people. Like, yeah. oh, he just, he just starts okay. listing things. He's run out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> sorry about that whole rabbit hole, but uh, what could you tell us about how you started this podcast? You told us some about how you got into open doors, Canada, but how did you start yeah. Worldwatch Weekly. Absolutely. So we actually started in April of this year, uh, 2020, because of uh, COVID-19. And so all of a sudden, uh, with the restrictions that were happening in Canada, uh, churches were moving online and uh, for for a time at least. And all of a sudden, the meetings that we were going to hold, we, we had to cancel meetings because no longer were we going to be able to do them. And we're like, we have to keep people informed. We can't host meetings now, right now. Uh, thankfully, we're speaking at churches again. But uh, we, 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 thought, we saw this need and a podcast seemed like a, a really easy way to do that that we could, uh, you know, weekly share with people the needs of the persecuted church and encourage people to pray for the persecuted church around the world. Wow. Yeah. It's really awesome too. I'm listening to the podcast. It reminds me of, um, I used to help one of my best friends was a youth pastor and I used to help him lead youth. And he would do that this, um, every week where he would have a different country that he would highlight for the youth, talk about some of their needs and pray before you started. And that's sort of what your podcast reminds me of. It's not very long for those who want to listen to it, but it tells you about a persecuted people 
and gives you an opportunity to pray. In fact, you even pray in the podcast. Yes. So that's, yeah, that, uh, that's, that's a great thing. description of our podcast right there. Yeah. It's, it's I should, should awesome. write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. I give you permission to steal that <laughs> from us. <laughs> from judge. He's the boss. So, you know, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so do you think hearing about that persecution of believers worldwide uh, could help us all be better united in the church? Absolutely. I, I, uh, I feel like, you know, we often, we talk a lot about, and it's important that we pray for our persecuted family. Uh, we talk about that. that that's our, our main thing we talk about. We want people to be praying for them because they need our prayers. And the truth is the number one thing they ask for is for our prayers. But often in North America or in the church in the West, I think our view is that, oh yeah, those persecuted Christians, they really need us. And that's true. They need our prayers and they need some of our resources. But I think the church in North America really needs them. We need their stories. We need their examples of faith so that we can learn from them, so that we can be encouraged, so that we can grow in our faith. And, uh, And I think that, you know, the church in North America is, I mean, North America in general right now has a lot of div- division. And, uh, and I think that if, if we could see the examples of faith that our persecuted brothers and sisters show and how they do it despite crazy circumstances, and, and we, we could learn so much from them. Hmm. Hey everybody, I'm just going to take a quick break to let you guys know all the ways that you can help us keep this podcast going, you know, your favorite Church Unity podcast. Uh, TJ, what's some of the ways that they can do that? Uh, well, you could head on over to Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram and follow us on there. Uh, you can subscribe to us on every, you know, podcast listening software that you have and the ones you don't have. Go ahead and download those. Follow us on there too. Thanks. Love you. Um <laughs> You can support us on Patreon uh, for as little as a dollar a month. And, uh, of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can join our newsletter by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's all the way. Oh, TJ, we also need their unconditional loyalty. Yes. Unconditional loyalty, yeah. respect, and admiration. Thank you. Yeah. You can leave all of that at our Patreon. And, of course, they wouldn't have to hear this work at all if they went over to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Dot com. Four times the old church podcast. Let's get back to the show. Mm-hmm. So, what are um, what do you think would be the best ways we could unite to help these persecuted Christians? That you know, and of course, you know, their inspiration, like like you said, they're helping us just as much as we can help them. But how could we help them? Like, what ways could we all unite for the purpose of these persecuted peoples? Absolutely. So, so the number one thing, as I mentioned already, is prayer. Uh, you know, I, I, sometimes in North America, we, um, we talk about prayer in a, you know, almost a flippant way, right? Like, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. And then do you ever pray for that person? Uh, some of us don't, um, <laughs> right? It's just something we yeah. say, but, but the, the church, the persecuted church really believes in the power of prayer. And they understand the power of prayer. And so they ask us to pray because they know the difference that prayer can make. And so uh, that's the number one way we can unite behind them is to pray and, uh, and, and know what's happening uh, to them. The, the second way that I, I think we can uh, it, 
we can help or unite is be informed. Um, don't, don't let ignorance get in the way of, uh, of being part of the, of the family of God. Right. Uh, the, the Bible teaches us that we are one church, one family, uh, that, that, you know, Jesus says that, you know, you know, whoever does the will of my father is my brother and my sister. Right. So th- these are our family members that are being persecuted. And so, uh, we can't be ignorant to what's happening to them. We need to know. And so we need to get on, uh, get on websites, re- re- reputable websites like open doors. And so, uh, open doors, ca.org is the Canadian website. Opendoorsusa.org is the, as the American website and, uh, find out what's happening. There's, all kinds of stories, follow on social media and you can hear stories so that you know what's happening and know how you can pray. In fact, Open Doors USA actually has this amazing app. Uh, it's a prayer app. Uh, and it basically every day they give you another, a new prayer request for the persecuted church. And so something to check out, you can search, if you search Open Doors and prayer on the app store or on uh, the Play Store, uh, you'd find it. But it's uh, uh, praying and, and getting informed so that you know what is happening uh, to our brothers and sisters. And, you know, uh, of course, you can always financially support the work uh, through Open Doors uh, in the U.S. or Canada. Or, I mean, if you have listeners outside of those places, we have bases all over the world that could help that. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing I've been talking a lot about recently is... Uh, the, one of the ways that we can unite with our persecuted family is by sharing our faith. Because if, if, uh, if our persecuted brothers and sisters share their faith in, in the midst of severe persecution, and the reality is they do, um, I can tell you, uh, uh, I'll tell you some stories if you'd like, uh, but they are sharing their faith. If they can share their faith at the risk of persecution, then we can share our faith uh, in our freedom. And that if we share our faith in our freedom, we actually honor our brothers and sisters who are sharing their faith at the risk of persecution. But the opposite is true, that if we do not share our faith, if we hold our faith to ourselves, we actually dishonor our brothers and sisters. To take it a step further, the persecution is happening to our brothers and sisters because the persecutors do not want people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, if we're sitting here in North America, holding the gospel to ourselves and not sharing it with someone, are we any different than the persecutors? Hmm. That's, that's a big question. man. So you said, you said you could share some stories with us about um, people who share their faith in the face of persecution. Could you pick just one favorite story? We don't have too much longer, but I'd love to hear one. Yeah. uh, So Leah Sherabu. Leah Sherabu, February uh, 19th, 2018, her and about 100 other girls were abducted from their high school by Boko Haram. About a month later, all the other girls were released back to home uh, because uh, Leah was not, though, because Leah was the only Christian among them. Mm. And uh, when questioned... Leah refused to deny her faith in Jesus Christ. And so as a 14-year-old girl, Leah remained in captivity because she would not deny Jesus. Uh, 
she sent a, a, a message home with her Muslim friends and uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but she said, said this to her parents, you know, uh, God is showing my, himself mighty in my trying hour. When we, uh, when we were at home at the breakfast table, we talked about how God was close to those in pain. And I am experiencing that now. But I know that one day I will see you again, whether uh, it's here on earth or in the bosom of our Father in heaven. And as a 14-year-old girl, by refusing to deny her faith, not only did she witness to Boko Haram, she witnessed to her hundred friends that were released and sent home. And uh, she remains in captivity today. The last report came from January of this year that she was still alive, but Boko Haram has declared her a slave for life. And you can only, I, I don't, I don't even want to talk about what that would mean for her. Uh, but it's, she's our sister who's in captivity because she shared her faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, that's really impactful. And I know I get on this rant a lot, but a lot of people, you know, we like, like you said, you know, we throw that, Flippantly, we throw the, well, I'll pray for you out there. But, you know, I think we also do that with the whole brother-sister term, right? I mean, when you really think about what Jesus said, what he said, it was because his mother and brother and sisters were genuinely out looking for him and couldn't find him. And someone was like, hey, your, your family's looking for you. And he's like, who's my family? Except for these people right here. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus meant that literally. <laughs> like, this is my family. And I know we just throw those terms out. But when you really think about it, Jesus took it that seriously for that. I mean, we, we should always take that with the utmost seriousness that that is our sister, you know, just the same as if I had a blood relative, I should feel the same way about it. Yeah. And that's, um, I don't know, that's, it's hard to, hard to swallow really, but thank you for sharing that. Um, So one last thing we like to do before, you know, we start closing out, I like to ask every guest we have, if they, had to give one single like tangible action, something someone could go do right now that would help better maintain the unity in the church worldwide or even in their local areas, just something tangible they could do to help better maintain unity in the church. What would it be? Wow. Uh, I think um, that's a, that's a, Big question. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, one, one thing. I mean, I, I think legitimately praying for one another, and not like we said that Pat. Oh yeah, I'll pray for you. But actually, um, when you when you pass a church in town where where you live, and it's not your church, different different denomination, are you willing to pray for that church? Do you pray that God shows up at that church? Do you pray that? Uh, the revival would break out in that church because this isn't a competition. (laughs) Amen. Right. Like I get that there, there will be some theological differences, but if that church holds to the same, uh, you know, core theological principles as you or I do, should we not be uh, praying and hoping for the best for that church? And so I, I would just say, like, legitimately pray for one another. Pray for other churches. That, that's my, that, that, there, that's there's my answer to that that's question. A, that's real practical, too, the whole just next time you drive by a church, pray for it. I mean, it's especially interesting for me because 
there's a AME Zion church right here on the corner of where my house is at. <laughs> so I'd have to pray for them every day, man, mm-hmm. which sounds great to me. <laughs> That's a good challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think would happen in the church if we all started praying for these other churches that we saw? Well, I, I think that we would see greater unity. I think we'd see churches in cities working together uh, to meet the needs, the, the physical but spiritual needs of people in our communities. I, I, we, we could see cities transformed by the gospel if we would just take Jesus literally. You know, he, he prays in, in John, right? He prays, I pray that they would be one as we are one. But I mean, let's be realistic. The church has not been good at that for a long, long time. That's sad truth. That's, that would be awesome. So, you know, everyone start doing that immediately, please. <laughs> that would be ideal. I mean, that's sort of the point of the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for giving us your time today uh, we're going to get into the outro and then we'll let you go well thank you very much for having me alright uh, so we like to start our outro with our God moment segment uh, we each share something that God has done for us recently uh, whether it be a blessing or a challenge or something in between <laughs> and uh, I always like to make Josh go first yeah, it yeah, gives me time to flounder around and find my God moment <laughs> segment. So, my God moment is just going to be well. See, what's fun is we're recording a few episodes within like this, like next week or two weeks span. Because I just got back from that week long vacation I took, or you know, camping trip I took to Cumberland Island. We mentioned that a few episodes back, and um, yeah. So this is the first episode recorded since then. It won't be published in that order, so that might be confusing for those listening, but. <laughs> They'll be okay. <laughs> I had a really cool, I had a bunch of really cool opportunities. Y'all get to hear a bunch of them. But uh, one that I, I really enjoyed, we, it was me and my wife, TJ here, and Austin, our friend Austin, which uh, just to give some background for everybody. At one point, I was TJ's camp counselor. A lot of the time, I just kind of was like support staff and watched him as a kid because I was still pretty young too, so I wasn't old enough to be Cabin leaders of like one year, I think. But, uh, you know, I kind of got to see TJ as a kid a lot in a ministry kind of aspect. Um, our friend Austin, ever since he was in sixth grade, I told him in youth, he's 18 years old now. And it was really cool to watch those two guys come here. Um, TJ was willing to drive, I think it was an extra two hours to help Austin be able to go because it was so important to Austin to go because he just loved going. Um, and Austin who, because I've watched him grow this, it's a big deal to me that he was so willing to contribute money towards TJ or me or whoever for gas and wanted to not only come and be a part, but also wanted to be responsible for himself. And it was just really cool to kind of see what God has done. And this is going to be me sounding a lot older than I am, but what God has done in these two young men and just kind of, you know, just really appreciating what great men they have become and that I got to see part of them growing into that. So it was, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I also was Austin's cabin leader last year. Oh, I'm a grandpa cabin leader. Praise oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, for my God moment segment, uh, I was recently 
able to help some good friends uh, go on a much needed vacation. Uh, <laughs> they had, uh, I live near North Greenville University, so I have a lot of friends over there. And uh, I have two friends who are married, live on campus, and they have a dog. He's an inside dog, and he's a German Shepherd Husky mix. Uh, that sounds like a beautiful dog. So he's not an inside dog, but he lives <laughs> inside. Oh. And uh, they're like, hey, will you watch me go for six day- or five days? I don't know how long it was. I just kind of sat with a dog uh, for <laughs> this length of time. Uh, well, while we go to Colorado, and I was like, absolutely. Uh, so I just got to hang out with a really nice dog uh, with some problems uh, oh. and help these two good close friends go on vacation, uh, which is really nice. Uh, I just love that I was able to help these people in, you know, really trying time you know, currently. The way you, you the way you framed your God moment, I thought you were going to be talking about me and Tiffany. Because you were like, I got to help these two good friends of mine who were married go on a week-long vacation. I was like, that was us. He's going to tell that same story about how he yeah. drove Austin two hours. Yeah, you wish it was you. I mean, you, you did also do that. You helped two sets of good friends go on week-long vacations at different times. Mm. I'm very talented. Uh, what yeah. can I say? <laughs> so, uh, what should it be, Pastor Andrew, then? I feel bamboozled. You didn't tell me you were a pastor. <laughs> you, halfway through the episode. You, you can just call me Andrew. That's fine. <laughs> All right, Andrew, what's, um, what's God been up to with you lately? You know, God, what you'd like to share for everybody? You know, I have um, been working through uh, the book of Jonah with a, with actually a, a friend who's a missionary. And uh, just digging deeper, doing some inductive Bible study, and it's just kind of made me realize how much of as as an individual and i think every one of us could say this is that when you when you look into jonah that you can see yourself in the story because you could see yourself i mean i know it's a, a very different story than than what we would experience but you can see yourself uh saying no to god when he tells you to do something because we do it all the time right or uh you can see yourself uh um, you know, in chapter four, he, he, re- he reveals that he didn't want God to do that because he doesn't like, uh, the Assyrians. And so mm-hmm. you can see yourself having prejudices because the reality is we have prejudices that we are, may or may not be aware of that we're all trying to work on. And, and so it's just been kind of a, a, a cool moment to just see that in, in scripture and be challenged by it. And, uh, you know, in doing an inductive Bible study, one of the things you come out with is, well, what do I need to do differently? And so I've been challenged myself a bit in, in some of the things that I need to do around here. And if I'm honest, I haven't, I haven't been following through, but I, I need to follow through. So for the sake of my own family and for the sake of me following Jesus to the best of my ability. Wow. Yeah. Jonah's an extremely relevant book in these times. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, so some future guests for the podcast. Uh, we've got Carolyn Harries of the A Cup Full of Hope podcast. Uh, Pastor Alan Rhodes, been saying his name for a long time. We had to reschedule. He is coming. 
uh, Nick Moore of the Grace in Full podcast. And uh, of course, at the end of the season, uh, we are going to have Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. He just he doesn't know it yet, though, does he? <laughs> he does not know it no. yet. Man. Uh, but he will be on our season finale. Oh, that's great news. Yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for so much of your time. And uh, if you want to hear Andrew Croft summarize this episode in 10 seconds or less, uh, surprise, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> head on over to Patreon. Slide us a couple dollars. And... Uh, We'll get that to you immediately.